Hi there. What I'd like to talk to you about today is the stories that we all tell about ourselves, that we confuse with ourselves, and the high price that we pay for servicing these stories. So what I mean by story is the masks that we learn to wear at a very young age, starting actually very young, of parts and pieces of ourselves that are acceptable and parts and pieces of ourselves that are not acceptable, whether to our family structure or to our culture. These things are usually obviously intertwined. So these masks that we all wear, using Jungian terms, it takes a tremendous amount of energy to service these masks or these stories. And by the time when our teens and then 20s, these stories are pretty much fully entrenched to a point where we actually do not have an idea of who we are. We have totally lost connection with our true self, and we've lost connection with, with the part of our personality that's healthy. Then as we get older, there is more and more energy wasted servicing these stories. So the servicing of these stories, day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, has a tremendous cost, not just to our vitality and to our health, but to our well-being in a general sense. I have seen a rash of suicides. I've actually seen more suicides in the last nine months, six to nine months, um, than I've seen in almost three decades of practice. And I was talking to some fellow healers and psychiatrists, both here and the West Coast and in Europe, and they were having the same experience. And then I chanced upon um, some scientific literature that was talking about how in the last couple of years there actually has been a significant increase in suicide. And the authors were linking that unfortunate high rate to the dire state of the economy that a lot of people were coming up against these economic hardships and then ending their lives. That's true, but it's only part of the story because I also have been around people who are economically not in dire straits and actually ending their lives. To me, this actually speaks of what I'm telling you, which is the servicing of the story. When the story gets challenged, this is how high a price we pay for it, that sometimes we will even end our lives as opposed to facing the fact that we're not the story. So to take an example, Let's say someone has a job or has a relationship that they totally define themselves by. That job gets ruptured or that relationship gets ruptured. Because they're not embodied in themselves, they're more living in this part of their mind of the idea of who they are. It actually feels like a death to them. So they will take their physical life as opposed to face the fact and go into the darkness that will be temporarily there to really question who they are. This is what, again, we call the dark night of the soul. When these events that are unfortunate for the ego happen, they're actually very fortunate for the spirit, where it gives us an opportunity where we can step in and heal and come out more true and more vitality and joy. The advent of all these social media tools right, the Instagrams and the Facebooks, all these wonderful tools that are there, Twitter. The big problem with them is they actually have given us tools 
that turbocharges the story. So we can actually cut out even more who we are in reality or trying to find out who we are and constantly post these little messages of who the story is. So we've talked about this in the past and my intent isn't to beat these things. These things can be very helpful and useful and connection wise. But certainly as I'm sure you're aware, they're an amazing tool in totally the negative um, sense, a drug, where besides the fact that we numb ourselves and our anxiety, we actually totally fortify this story, which is not reality. As I've said to you before, very few people put their boils and their zits um, on Facebook. It's always, almost always this story of, this is what I want the world to perceive me to be. Again, the problem with that is, we're so disconnected already. And then the use of these tools literally just fortifies that disconnection. We actually get even more disconnected by confusing the story with reality. A big part of this whole mechanism I'm talking to you about is the disconnection from the body and totally serving the mind as the master. So this is the classic tale of the tail wagging the dog, as opposed to the dog, which is the body wagging the tail. These stories are fabricated in the mind. We go into the mind at a very young age. By two years of age, we're already disconnecting from our bodies. We're learning to manipulate reality through our mind at a very young age, push away pain by thinking and not feeling at a very young age. And these things just become more and more intense as we get older. So a big piece of this whole puzzle is learning how to be embodied. And by being embodied, I literally mean being in our bodies. And again, I wish things were simple. It's not that simple because many of us will even use the function of being in the body, the process of being in the body, whether it's martial arts or yoga or Pilates, as another piece of telling a story. So we're not really being embodied. We're using the body to complete the story. Well, I'm this and this and also a yogi. I'm this and this, and I'm also um, a martial artist. As opposed to just having a relationship with our bodies through these amazing ancient techniques, we actually hijack that. And our culture is a master of hijacking. We hijack these tools to fortify the story. A lot of what's prevalent in the quote-unquote New Age movement right now are things that just move the story around. They go into the story and they move one piece here and one piece there. They're not really allowing us to disassemble the story. Disassembling the story takes tremendous courage. And in my experience as a clinician, almost no one does it. I mean, willfully to go and disconstruct your life, deconstruct your life, it, it's not something any of us do. Certainly painful things force that upon us. So it can be a serious illness, it can be a divorce, it can be a breakup of a relationship, it can be losing a job. These things give us this momentary opportunity, which is not pleasant to the ego, but life-enhancing for the connection with the soul to go in and examine what needs to die, what needs to be released, what needs to be assimilated. A lot of the techniques that I see around are about these things of, you know, happiness and seven steps and finding joy and confidence. 
is just ways of just fluffing the story. And the way one knows that is when unfortunate events knock on our door, that's when you see if people have actually, for true, have gone in and have loosened the story a little bit or have actually tightened the story up. So part of these suicides that I've seen is actually that. People did not have the ability or the tools or even saw the fact that they're living in a story. So I would offer this to you. Take a moment after you finish listening. Sit with yourself and take an honest inventory. What are the stories? right? And the story, this mask that we tell and we wear so proudly, permeates everything in our lives. The way we dress, the way we eat, who we hang out with. And I've said this to you before, one of the things that can be very helpful in softening the stories, put yourself in situations that you normally don't hang out in, that are not comfortable to you. So if you're someone who is a yogi and only eats raw food, go hang out with people who are not yogis and don't just eat raw food. See what that feels like. Hang out with smokers. If you are a smoker and you're a bad girl, a bad boy, and being a rebel is your story, put that down for a second. Don't wear your leather jacket or whatever it is. One of the basic premises of the story is we're blind to it. So whether you are nodding your head in agreement as you're listening to this or thinking it's a bunch of BS, understand that being blind to our stuff is part of the story. So we actually need energies that are different to ours. That might be a way that we can actually shake ourselves up out of the story a little bit. One of the responsibilities and one of the reasons we don't want to shake up the story is when the story gets shaken up, whether through an external traumatic event or an internal traumatic event, which part of what's happening now is a lot of awakening going on with people that I see, spontaneous awakening. It's very traumatic. The reason it's traumatic is a lot needs to change. So I've had a couple of people that I've been working with these last couple of months one a very young person in their 20s, one a little bit older in their late 30s, one a little bit older in the 50s, who've had these awakenings, internal callings, where they kind of wake up and nothing fits. And then little by little, that feeling of malaise gets deeper and deeper. And some of these people have done a lot of sort of therapy or they've done new agey stuff or they've done yoga or acupuncture, but it's really not helping them. Certainly the therapies, therapy piece can be helpful, the reason it can be helpful is it actually gives you a little bit of sense of what your story is, whether you've changed it or not is a different story. Um, but they're being forced to change things, and some of these changes are radical. So one person had to quit their job, which is their way of making a very, very um, healthy income. And that's scary stuff. They have no idea they're being called to be a healer. They don't even know what it means. One thing that I can tell you is when we have the tremendous courage that it takes to change when the internal calling comes for us to change. We actually get supported by the universe at large, which is really just us, the bigger us. So when we don't, when we're shown and we don't respond to that change, we get clobbered. And the energy right now is that intense where we're going to get clobbered if we're not listening. Another person who had an awakening, the younger person was living at home and reliant on their parents for finances and it was actually killing them. I mean, they were physically starting to come apart. 
And that realization forced them to sit down and have a conversation, which is very difficult. So again, these are not easy things. Um, the third person actually was in a very unhealthy relationship in their family structure as a caretaker. And, you know, he's an orphan. I mean, energetically, he's an orphan, something he hasn't wanted to look at for 50 years. So these are not easy things. But certainly everybody, everybody in that group story benefits when the one person has the courage to step up. So this part of the awakening is not about going in and rearranging it or spraying rose water on shit, which is what a lot of new agey things do. It's actually getting the shovel out and shoveling out the shit and then using it as fertilizer. We don't throw out the shit. It's not about getting rid of it. It's all useful. How do we use it? Do we just kind of put a cushion on it and act like it's not there? That's certainly most of us at some point in our lives. Or we actually scrape it out and put it in the garden where it belongs and wash out our living room and live in a more sanitary, mentally for sure, condition. Part of what the story is so problematic is it confuses us in terms of what feeds us and what kills us. And many times the story actually has this amazing ability to mask poison as something that we grovel for. So whether it's a relationship or a certain lifestyle, that's literally killing us and keeping us disconnected. We actually go after it wholeheartedly, thinking that this is good for us. Some of you might have had this experience where you were in a relationship for a while and totally hypnotized by it. And about a year, and it usually seems to be a year, seems to be a magical time after a relationship, intimate, where we step out and we go, what the hell was I thinking? Like, this person is so not right for me. I don't even like this person. What was I doing? That was the addiction of the story. That's the part where we grovel after things that are killing us. Many, many times we don't know what's good for us because we're not embodied. So this other piece of the whole embodiment thing is the disconnection between the physical body and the mental body, the mind. At a very young age, we start telling this story by, like I've talked about before, by literally fortifying things that culture likes and cutting out things that doesn't get kudos. So our parents start with that, and obviously our parents are part of culture, and our culture and our friends in that culture um, finish the rest of it where we literally start cutting parts of ourselves off. This parts of ourselves, these parts of ourselves that we're cutting off are actually life force energies. It has a very dire consequence to our vitality, to our creativity when we chop these parts off. Over a period of time, we don't even realize that we've cut these parts off. And that's again the function of the story, where we can cut these things off, stick them somewhere, and wonder why we're not feeling well. So in order to be truly free, we have to really investigate what our story is. And that can be with the help of just sitting down and journaling, can be the help of a therapist. It can be with the help of friends. Really, if we sit and take an honest inventory, we know what the story is. Most of us are running so fast all the time that there is no time for the self-analysis. So we basically keep retelling the story. It gets dismantled, 
through a painful breakup, through some physical illness, through some gift, if I can say that, that seems like a curse to the ego, but it's actually a gift internally because it gives us an opportunity to step out of the story. But we are so willful that we just hammer that away and we go right back in the story. So the investigation is the first part of it, to see what's working and what's not working. Then the second part, which is the hard part, which is what I was describing to you about the people that I'm working with now who are having these awakenings, is to actually clear out these parts of the story, prune these parts of the garden that are poison ivy, that every time you walk by, you get welts on your body. So that's the second part, which is actually very difficult. And then the third part is assimilation. So actually starting to assimilate these lessons and realize, oh, wow, I thought I could drink milk, but I'm allergic to it. So now I found some raw milk, I can drink that. Not in New York State because it's illegal, um, but in other places that are actually sane. So you can actually have this food that gives you nourishment, but this pasteurized, boiled to death, homogenized, dead substance actually doesn't nourish me. It's a nice packaging. It looks cool, smells good, doesn't really nourish me. That would be a great way in, by the way, into this investigation. How do you feel around certain things? How does your body feel? And remember, most of us are very disconnected from our bodies. All these wonderful tools that we use, whether it's yoga or martial arts, standing qigong, things that are supposed to embody us, actually serve as the story. There might be some beneficial side effects, as obviously these very powerful ancient forms of healing do, but they don't permeate enough to soften the mind. An amazing thing to me when I observe these um, body principles is how they don't really permeate the person's story. Sometimes they do when the person's maybe more um, usually older and has suffered more and they're ready, they come to it from a place of suffering, so they're open to change. But many times they just make the body limber without softening the mind, which is actually amazing, right? So it's something that's designed to soften the mind. That's how strong our minds have become. And again, these social media um, tools that are around right now, that can be very helpful and useful, they actually fortify and make us more in our mind. They fortify the story because we're very good at telling the story, fortifying the story by constantly putting pictures and stories of what the story is, as opposed to the reality of what we're feeling inside. And the fact that we have access to these things 24-7, that even disconnects us more from ourselves, our true nature, and fortifies this constant incessant tale that has no grounding in reality. And when very traumatic events happen, you lose a home, you lose a friend, you lose a relationship, you lose a job, you're ill. That's when you know how much of a story you've been telling. That's when you know, have you really been embodied? Have these experiences you've had, have they actually fortified you? Or have you just been using them to keep up this house of cards? which is most of our experiences. So another way of saying this is we have to set our heart right. Instead of being in the story, the heart and the story do not coexist. They cannot coexist. It's oil and water. There's mind and then there's heart. When the heart is the master, the mind follows. Beautiful, no problems. When the mind is master, that's a dictator. 
the heart gets slaughtered. So that's when you see people, when they get out of a relationship, that's not helpful. When they leave a job, that's not good for them or where they need to be. They look 10 years younger. They actually look really vital. That's because their heart now is running the show, as opposed to this thing, which has only been on evolutionary scene for a couple of hundred years, the way we're using it. So in order to set our heart right, we have to learn to see through form into essence. And that's not something that the mind can do. The mind has no ability to do that. In fact, its function is to pull us out of essence and get us stuck into material form. So learn to see with your heart and not your head. Most of us are spiritual tourists. Those of us who are on the spiritual path, many times we're spiritual tourists. And what I mean by that is we don't want to reside in these places that get revealed to us. It's nice to visit. You drive through, usually at 80 miles an hour, stop by somewhere, grab a piece of food, take a couple of pictures, and hammer the throttle. We're not really stopping and checking out the land and putting our feet in it and drinking the water and taking a swim. We're always on the move. So we have to give up this tourism. And this, again, takes a tremendous amount of courage. These are words. These have to be put into practice. So if you're hurting, dig deep. You know, positive thinking is not going to do it. That's just, again, the mind trying to manipulate the mind and our feelings without first checking in to see where we are. You know, if you sit with it, it will be shown to you. It will shift. There's this anxiety that we all have. That's just a part of being in these bodies. That's a part of being embodied. We are the ancestors, the surviving ancestors of beings that were very anxious, which is why they survived, that they didn't get pummeled and eaten by animals and other events. Anxiety is a part of its existence. Make friends with it. Sit with it. You can sit with it. It's not going to kill you. It's just that we've been running away from it for so long that it feels like it's this big, bad monster. Once you get comfortable with that, underneath that is a gold. Everything, there's maps, there's GPS, there's even a driver, there's a chauffeur. Everything will be shown to you. Just take the time to go underneath that. So start where you are. Start in the present moment. Start with your feelings and connect with yourself. This is the whole problem with what's happening culturally now with these spiritual paths. We become tourists. We're just running through and not taking the time. This is not brain surgery. It's actually pretty straightforward. All you have to do is say yes to your heart. Once you're willing to say yes, you'll be shown. People will appear. Situations will appear. Things will guide you. So if you're feeling stuck somewhere in your life, start with yourself. Go on and see what needs to go, what needs to stay. All you need in this journey is awareness. Not confidence, not happiness, not joy. Although those things can certainly be byproducts of this is awareness and the brutal honesty to put yourself on a surgical table and examine yourself. Anytime you're judgmental about someone or something, it's about you. So one place you can actually start going in with this is what are you judging? What are the people that you're judging? If you're a health nut and you're judging smokers, that's an aspect of yourself that's been disowned. If you're a smoker and you're judging health nuts, that's an aspect of yourself you've disowned. If someone's pissing you off, go inside and see. That's a part of your story. That's an aspect of yourself that you've cut off and now you're projecting on someone else 
that aspect has to be owned by yourself, integrated, and then you move forward. And lastly, don't take these times personally. We're all being dismantled. We're all being dismantled because it's not working. We're not being dismantled because some big bad energy is out there because Mars is retrograde, Mercury is retrograde. These energies are real, but their function is to serve you. Their function isn't to pummel you. If you're getting pummeled, pay attention. What needs to go? What needs to stay? So I'll leave you with that. I'll send you lots of love on your path. Be gentle with yourself where you need to be and be firm with yourself where you need to be.